Hello, listener. It's Patrick here. At the top of the episode, Rodrigo and I mentioned that we were going to talk a little tactics specifically about leads, and we did do that, but we decided to split it out into a separate episode for you so you can really take the time to dig in with us as we go deep on leads and Beelzebub's system. Hope you enjoy this little bonus episode going deep on Leeds United. So I want to step back though and talk about them more generally and kind of their the the, the way I see their style of play. Um, formation is a part of that, but but more like just style of play more generally as well. So I think the first thing I want to kind of point out about this Leeds team, and you're going to see this if you rewatch the Leeds Aston Villa game, is that their style of play on the attack is all about penetrating. It's all about penetrating lines. Compare this to a team that, for example, wants to kind of like build up through the lines, so has players dropping back into space between two lines, like for example, a, a forward that checks back like a false nine or things like that, people who drop. Their style of play is really more about the opposite direction. It's about making runs towards those lines and then playing the ball through them. So taking that kind of general concept, how does that look, how does that look when they play? So the way I try to imagine the 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 or the 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 metaphorical understanding of how I think about lead is they're really like a loaded spring. So their formations tend to be pretty heavily dense in the back. So like play like a four one four one or sometimes it looks even more like a four four one one. But they're playing two usually pretty sturdy lines in the midfield and defense with maybe like a, a forward uh, or or a, a player underneath possibly. Um, and then that's that's kind of like their starting shape, and it's definitely their shape on defense. When they attack, though, pretty much every player on the field, maybe with a few exceptions here and there, has has a clear green light to attack and to attack by going very vertical. So the best place to kind of see this happen in the leads attack is the way that their outside defenders get involved in play. So let's compare to Liverpool. Liverpool likes to send their defenders very high and wide right away, right? Hold the ball more centrally, put the wingers kind of, I'm sorry, put those defender defensive players very high and wide, and then usually look to get them the ball for those crosses. Sometimes they make an overlapping run, but they kind of get the ball wide and make a cross from there. So they're very high and wide very early and look to cross. In, in in the Leeds form- for formulation, it's a little bit different. The outside defenders don't charge high until the ball is in possession with that midfielder. So, for example, if they're playing all, out, out the back in this game to the left, you're going to see this over and over again. The ball is played to Jack Harrison, usually quite directly, not a ton of like buildup and small you know tiki-taka passing. Usually it's a direct ball to someone like Jack Harrison on the left. And then you see the outside defender uh, whose name is – was it Al- Alioski? Alioski? I don't remember. Yeah, Alioski. Alioski. Yeah. Alioski will make the run to overlap Jack Harrison, but he's going to wait until Jack is facing goal. So this is a run that's being made once possession is had, not early, not bef- not in buildup, but actually once the ball is already kind of moving up there. So Jack Harrison right, is going to have this overlapping run. 
So what you see over and over in this game, and this is just one example of how they make these penetrating runs, is Jack Harrison gets the ball wide left and starts to drive kind of into the 18, with Alioski coming behind him, but essentially just like his shadow, just running straight in behind where he is, as if he's going to run into him. And then as he gets to a little closer, widens out a little bit and uh, provides this overlapping run. Now, the thing you really got to pay attention to here, and this is just a microcosm of what's happening all over the field, is look at the way the defenders react to this play. Two defenders, one pressuring, uh, one who's kind of stepped forward and pressuring Jack Harrison, and another who's kind of behind Right, It's kind of the second defender kind of waiting for Jack Harrison to maybe beat the first. The second defender cannot pop out wide to take this mark right? until the run has been completed. Because if he leaves too early, it's a 1v1 for Jack Harrison. Hmm. right? And so there's always this little pocket of space off to Jack Harrison's left so that when they play the ball there, if it's a one-touch cross, there's essentially no time for the uh, second defender to step to that ball and be and, and likely get a block, right? And so that just happens in this game over and over and over again. So this is just one example and one place in the field where you see this overlapping run, right? But this actually happens all over the place. Essentially what happens is they win the ball, in a deeper lying position, they look for a through ball directly to somebody, right? But defeat, like a Jack Harris on the left, or uh, I'm trying to remember who else is on the right, or, or a Costa on the right. Uh, sometimes they might even find a more centrally lying player. And then immediately, players are running, overlapping those players. And the thing is, when you do that, when we talked about that position in the box, right? The problem is that the defenders have to make this decision, which is kind of a crucial one, about when they cheat to get the overlapping run. And what it makes it what what makes this exciting when you watch Leeds play, you say, man, it's exciting the way they play. It's energetic, right? It's it's kind of it's kind of it's very it's a kind of assertive and aggressive, even if it's not like they're playing, you know, three, four, three is that all of these runs are just flying through the middle and the defensive and the team on defense has to be making all these fairly quick and fluid decisions about who's going to mark who and who's going to take what. And there's going to be these pockets of space that end up essentially being unmarkable for a little while because I can't step out until the guy with the ball makes the decision and there's maybe one or even two guys making a run. So it, it really, I think, points to this pro or this this challenge that any team playing has to try to solve which is how do you balance structure and fluidity right teams that are very structured have very clear paths to success that a team can collaborate around and kind of help each other facilitate successfully but their downfall is that once that solution is figured out Sometimes they're very easy to break down because you just need to put, a, you know, a rock into one of the cogs and now the break, it's now it's broken down. I tend to see this happen a lot with Manchester City where they're very structured in their play but kind of struggle sometimes to penetrate the back line or even somebody like Leicester when they don't have Vardy on the field. They kind of run out of options because that one thing they do or that approach that they have is getting kind of into a stalemate somewhere. 
When you play as a team that's a lot more fluid, your advantage is that you're more unpredictable and you have a harder time on defense kind of anticipating what's going to happen. Think about Aston Villa that way. Um, When Jack Grealish gets the ball, it's a little hard to know what's going to happen. He doesn't have a very special role where it's like, well, all I do is drive into the box or all I do is send balls to space or all I do is shoot from wide. I mean, he does all of it. And so and he moves off the field kind of all over the place, too. And so what that means is that you get that added value, but the problem sometimes can come up with fluidity where people aren't on the same page. And so if you kind of have a day where everybody's kind of just missing each other and the chemistry isn't quite clicking, it just seems like everything you try doesn't work and you don't have that plan B or that structure to kind of fall into. I think speaking to your point about fluidity and especially in this Leeds squad, looking at the lineup and thinking about the way that players were playing, I, I looked at compared the lineups from the Wolves game and this game, and Dallas is playing left back against Wolves, and he's playing right back against Aston Villa. Uh, Streak is playing cent- center back against Wolves, and he was the one who kind of conceded the goal on a slip against Wolves. Mm-hmm. And in this game, he's playing in a holding midfield role. Uh, Alioski, last time he played for Leeds, he's playing in like this almost like left wing, like pretty high up position. And now he's just left back overlapping with Jack Harrison. Yes. And I think that really feels like confirmation of exactly what you're talking about. Like players can literally switch sides of the field, switch lines, and are able to plug in there. Um, and I thought all three of those guys that I just mentioned actually had great Had very games. good games. I, absolutely. And I think. This is where you start to get so, – so this balance, right, about structure and fluidity is of challenge for any team because as a coach, the more kind of – the more you impose a structure on your team, often the less fluidity they tend to have, right? And that's not always the case, right? It depends on how you do it. But this is the balance you're always trying to find. Now – In the Bielsa team here, what I see is one approach to solving that problem, which is that the players tend to have pretty concrete roles in terms of, for example, you're going to have these wing players or these outside midfielders whose job is to receive the ball, to move the play forward, and then start to kind of cut inside and kind of hopefully even go into the 18 if they're that far up the field, providing the lane for the overlap. The outside defender's job is to make this overlapping run down that side and to become support. The midfielders are kind of, the center midfielders are kind of utility players, right? They are looking to make those overlapping runs as well, but also just help be the glue in between any one of those. So for example, if there's an overlapping pass on the outside that they can't quite make the pass to, they play centrally and make a wall pass but it's a wall pass to the third man, the overlapping man, rather than the guy who initially passed the ball. So (coughs) you kind of have these pieces that are structured. And the most, I think, fundamentally like structured piece of this whole thing is Bamford playing in that central position. And the reason why he's so important is because when you're playing with a lot of overlapping runs, it can be somewhat chaotic. And so trying to find the final guy to score your goal sometimes is complicated because maybe the guy you're expecting to be there just made an overlapping run wide and now he's not in the middle and you're like, oh shoot, you know, who's going to shoot this ball for me, right? 
But Bamford rarely, if ever, goes very, very wide. Unless, of course, it's just to provide support in a play that would die otherwise. And even then, he tends to play more centrally. And that is like the anchor to this team. So you have this structure where each of the players has a structure in terms of this is my priority. This is my priority way to impact the game or to play the role for my team. But there is this there is this overriding fluidity because we're looking for everybody to attack and for everybody to make overlapping runs, everybody to be making runs that penetrate lines. And that is hard to anticipate and it's not scripted. It's not always the same. So you that's one way to kind of devise this balance. And I do think that that kind of approach also is somewhat easy or simple for a player to switch around in positions. Because even yeah. if you were the outside mid, you know what the guy behind you was doing the whole game. <laughs> and so and, and you know that in general the role is to make overlapping runs that, that are gonna penetrate lines. So you you're expecting that, kind of no matter where you are on the field. And that is a huge part of the recipe for Bielsa. Um, and I also think in some senses, because he's done it this way, he has more room to tinker. So if he thinks a player, hey, you know what? I really want to have my outside defenders, you know, be fast and attack more. I'm going to move, you know, this player who is a wing back into that line. It's not as big of an ask because that player isn't now the ball feeding, you know, like, you know, he, he's not a chill well. He, he's essentially playing a very similar, he's a similar context to everybody else. He's just playing different where differently on the field and is going to have, you know, more reps in the overlapping run than the guy who pinches in. Right. And so it, so it, it, in a way, I think almost balance, it almost kind of lends itself to that flexibility and gives Bielsa more room to 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 tinker around and, and move people as he sees fit. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to bring this back to you as I was talking about this finding this balance is that in a previous game, I believe when Leeds was playing City, there was talk from the from the commentators about how. City, or sorry, how Guardiola really looks up to Bielsa. And one of the things that I really struggled with was like, how and why? They don't, like, I don't see these teams playing very similarly, at least from what I could see. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that Bielsa has, right now, in that Leeds team, what I have been talking about um, is missing from the City team. And I think this is, in a way, maybe where you see their differences and also where you might see their their similarities. I think that City struggles to find the sense of urgency, which I think just translates to penetrating runs. When you have Aguero on the field, uh, that guy makes penetrating runs. And so now you're able to play the balls to him. On Bielsa's team, everybody's really looking to do that. And so there's a lot of like kind of what, what looks like very fashionable combination play happening on a team that I think a lot of people had low expectations for. Um, and I think that where you see this is, Pep essentially likes to go a little more structured, and Bielsa is a little bit more fluid, at least in this iteration and with this team. Um, and so I think that that's kind of how I start to see them is, you know, Guardiola has taken some of the ideas and started to build a little bit more structure and lattice work around them and look for his players to hold all of that in their head and to, and to execute it and kind of even more prescribe the options that they have. You have one, two, three options. So if this one doesn't happen, use these two. Whereas Bielsa is a little bit more like, Make an overlapping run, <laughs> you know, when you see a guy in front of you with the ball. And that could be anywhere. And he allows them, the individual, to kind of find the degrees of freedom. Like, 
How fast do I make the run? When do I actually break the line and pass the guy? How close of a run do I make? And that's a teaching moment for the players to essentially start to intuit when do I want to do those different things um, in a way that I think ends up kind of translating better on game day. Um, And it leaves players, I think, a little less stuck and locked into a position where they're not sure what else they're supposed to do to make it work, which is kind of how I feel like the Guardiola side looks sometimes. Um, The one thing, though that we haven't talked about with Leeds as much is their defense. Um, and the one thing I want to point out about their defense is that locking, loading a spring like that and then firing it off requires the spring to get loaded. So if you want to play that way, you got to have players behind the ball. So that means that when you're on defense, everybody needs to get back or you're going to be relying regularly on individual defensive performances from your back line, which in this last game, I guess Aston Villa, they, they did at times. There were a few opportunities, breakdowns, where individual defensive plays, especially by Ailing, was what kept the score at, at zero. Yeah, he had that save off the line. The save yeah. off the line, which was a tremendous one uh, from Jack Grealish. He, he read a ball that kind of got mishit, and it came across the back of the back of the 18, and he was able to put it on frame beautifully, actually, the opposite side, and Ailing just happened to be there. Barely catches it, I think, really, to save it from, from that goal. And so you have to get everybody back. Which then leads to the biggest challenge of all, which is if you have everybody back and concentrated and yet everybody's expected to spring out of that on attack, it's a tremendous amount of fitness required. Which is why I kind of think, too, some of the players you see on this team uh, are are where they are. Uh, On the left side, Harrison, an American... Right or an Ameri- a player who played in the United States for a while translates pretty well into this squad. He's extremely fit, <laughs> you know. And I don't want to stereotype too much, but he's extremely fit. And a lot of these players, I think, rely on fitness to get them through these games. Um, but that's that's the big big ask to load that spring and fire it over and over and over again. It relies on everyone being compact on defense so that you can have lockdown defense, and then everyone being willing to go forward and attack when it comes to offense. And that's, that's just a tremendous amount of effort um, to ask from a team every single weekend. Granted, they have some advantages that they're not playing, you know, in Champions League or Europa League, or, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these players have, like, international duty, right? So, like, there's probably a lot less of a burden for them to have to, you know, overwork in games outside of the Premier League itself, but it's still a lot to ask, and I think that that's a big, a big, a big piece uh, of what they rely on. I really like the way that you were describing this game and thinking about Leeds as just like having those overlapping runs that City kind of lacks, and I think especially when you were talking about the space that they were able to create for Jack Harrison. I noticed that a lot, but I wasn't thinking about about the the tactics that allow for that to get built up for leads. Um, I guess on the flip side, I'm a Beal's truther a little <laughs> bit here, um, and I, I think really speaking to the last point that you're talking about, because I think you nailed it when saying that so much pace and fitness is required in this squad. So um, I'm gonna lay down a couple of Bielsa Bielsa facts. Please do. Um, and I, I want to say, before I pop off on Bielsa, Leeds is playing really well, is looking great. They're such a fun and attractive team to have in the Premier League, and I really want them to stick around and, and continue to play this brand of soccer because it's really enjoyable to watch. That being said, in his career, Bielsa has lost a Copa America final. He's lost a Copa Libertadores final. He's lost a Europa League final. 
He's got, lost a Copa del Rey final. And in his first season at Leeds, where everyone thought he was going to go through, he, he didn't get Leeds promoted. That was in 18-19. In 2018-19 at Leeds, um, Leeds only had 13 defeats on that year. 10 of those 13 defeats came in January or after, so in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. In this past year at Leeds in the championship, after January coming back, his team had six wins, six losses, and four draws. Not a form that's good enough for you to get promoted. But then COVID hits, and they get this really big break. And I think that Mm. was really key for Leeds last year. Not something I've seen a lot of people talking about is they get this massive time to recuperate as a team. His team comes back, they lose one game, they tie one game, and then they have seven wins in a row. And that (laughs) cements them in the top spot and puts them through. And I think... In, in my mind, this is exactly what we're going to see in the Premier League is we're going to see this really great team in the first half, and then we're going to see a really sharp decline. And maybe this is, a, this is like the squad that's going to click with Bielsa. They're young, and they have the stamina to do this, and he's going to be able to figure it out with them. You know, it could be the case, but if history has told us anything across his career, it's that he runs his players into the ground. Yeah. An anecdote to maybe speak a little bit more to that too is uh, I think it's Hector Herrera used to play for him and um, he mentioned this drill that another Leeds player mentioned in an interview from this year that uh, Bielsa has him run and it's called murder ball and it's 11 versus 11 and you play and you run and you run until you can't run anymore and it's like the 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 point of it is to like you, you know go all out and really get into that mindset even in the practice but Hector Herrera a good player I think he he was with uh, Bielsa Athletic Club Athletic Bilbao in in La Liga and he said yeah at the end of the season like I could barely walk I was so gassed like running was totally out of the question so I think it, it's it's a really really interesting strategy from Bielsa it feels so smart and it felt like an Aston Villa team in this moment that's well-coached, well-organized, generally defensively, they have the best defensive record in the league so far. And I thought Leeds could have had five or six goals in this game against them. Patrick Bamford missed some yes, really clear chances. He did. Um, so but I, do, so I, I think it's, it's such an interesting like tactical tension with Bielsa of like, yeah, um, we're, we're going to play this really different and really unique style that relies on fitness – and and maybe we can get it. Your point about them not having Europa or Champions League, like they have less fixtures than some of the top clubs, this could be the perfect setting for them to pull that off. But um, I will remain skeptical until later in the season, I think, is my is my takeaway thinking about Leeds. Yeah, I think you make really good insight there about that break, especially, and given the performance that we see from them in the second half, I, I would not be surprised in the least bit if that had to do with fitness. It's just, that is just a toll. It really is a toll to play that style because, like I said, it, it is very effective because you have everybody kind of attacking together, um, but it, it, it does rely on space that you can penetrate. You know, um, if there's not a lot of space behind the other team, um, then, you know, running in, you're just going to run off the field. Like literally, I can't, I can't overlap only once before I run off the field if I'm overlapping you on the six line, right? So it requires that space, and that's why you have to load the spring. You have to bring everybody back. Um, and in a way, if especially given 
you know, whatever your defensive structure is, being compact in the back is a huge advantage. Um, but it's different than, for example, trying to play a game like like we saw, you know, for Manchester United, where they are sitting a deep block, but they're not expecting every single player to come up and attack and overlap on, on, the, on the pack. In fact, they really only are asking three players to do that, and they're going to sub those players, um, you know, maybe with even some regularity. And that is kind of one way to do it so that you don't kill your team on resources. But it will be very interesting to see where this team goes in the second half and whether we see that deteriorate in a way that we can at least maybe visually try to say has to do with their fitness. I think that they can probably go a good way with this current style of play. I think these players, they tend to do be a little bit younger. And it, it also seems clear to me that every one of them is has 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 a good amount of fitness to make to make it work. I mean, they're definitely all able to play the 90 minutes at this pace. So they can do it. It's just whether they can continue to do it um, over and over again. Um, I think, though, that there are some lessons to be learned here um, that you don't have to be you don't have to recreate what Leeds does. But the elements of how they create fluidity is definitely something that can be done in smaller microcosms or maybe to less of an extreme um, to create penetrating attack. Um, a team that I saw do something like that really well was uh, Sevilla in the Europa League uh, at the end of last year. Um, they, when they get the ball and possess very high around the 18, they're constantly making overlapping runs to try to find little spaces in between the defense. And I think I described it as making, a, making possession dangerous at the time. This, this is exactly what they do, but they don't try to load the spring. Um, you know, they don't load it so deep and then have everybody fly 45, 50 yards making these runs. Instead, they push the ball very high and then they or they get the ball very high and then they kind of work like piranhas just diving around each other right there to try to find space in behind. And so there's there's you can take elements of that fluidity and you can bring it to other styles or other formations and styles of play and places on the field. Um but doing this in this loaded spring fashion, I think, is what makes them exciting sometimes to watch because you're like, holy shit. They made like a, they made like a wall pass and overlap, and they've made 40 yards down the field, and it's like a 3v3, right? Um, that's just well-connected well um, a moment where they were able to connect well around this very fluid attack where everybody kind of has a role in getting involved. And Banford coming away with three goals in this game, I think two of them were really just his effort, solo effort, really. I mean, some good play to kind of knock things around, but one of them essentially is this amazing shot from the top of the 18, beautiful driven ball, and the other, he has three defenders around him and somehow turns to get an upper an upper 90 beautiful. top shelf goal. So these those two goals, I think, were really much more to his credit, um, although the first goal is actually a great, I think, example of this, of, of, of this kind of play and this buildup. So, you know, not every goal they're going to score is going to come that way, but that's, I think, what makes them dangerous, and to a certain extent, also tires out the other team, right? Don't forget that the other team is going to have to run back 40 true. yards every time. And, you know, the, the difference is that if, the, if Leeds is doing it every game, do they have the legs to run the entire league? Uh, but, uh, you know, other teams have to do it once once in a blue moon when they play Leeds. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I think they're an interesting team to take a look at. Um, I think I better understand now where Bielsa and Pep Guardiola make their connection and also where maybe they differ. Um, and funny enough, I think Pep could use a little bit more of that Bielsa fluidity, at least as we're seeing here, um, in his squad if he wants to kind of try to be more effective um, 
moving forward. So, yeah, I was glad we got to talk about them this week. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a good game on their part. Bamford had a fucking played out of his mind <laughs> uh, and yeah. came away with a 3-0 win. Definitely well-deserved um, and definitely a club for all of us to keep our eyes on moving forward throughout the season. Listener, thank you for taking the time to listen to the pod as always. Rodrigo and I both really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy the games this weekend.